0: is the Michael Medved show
1: and another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth a great day when there are a number of films that are coming out today that are at least trying to give people some relief from the grim headlines with the economy with the war in Ukraine ongoing with the bitter battle about uh, abortion and uh, the future of Roe v. Wade if any and, uh, and of course, the ongoing battle within the Republican Party for determining who is going to represent that party in what people expect to be a very, very good year for the GOP. A commentator in all of that and one of the more perceptive and widely respected commentators on politics in the United States. A.B. Stoddard is an associate editor and a regular columnist at Real Clear Politics. And she has been covering uh, American politics and Congress in particular for almost 30 years. So since she was a child, uh, covering that for uh, States News Service, The Hill Newspaper, and uh, ABC News. Uh, A.B., thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Is the very latest of they? I they are going to a recount, are they not? Uh, in the Mehmet Az uh, D- David uh, 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 Mackin, the David Mackin McCormick. McCormick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always no, uh, stumbling it. I didn't know, remember it's a Scottish name, and I have to remind of Cyrus McCormick, David McCormick. In any event, it could be Senator David McCormick if he actually. Pulls this out, but he's behind, isn't he?
2: Yes, but getting closer. And I don't have the very latest, but I know that it was um, ev- all you know, all observers and experts and, and and sources of the campaign, and everyone was saying it was going There was a hundred percent chance of a recount. It was just going to get that close. It was getting closer and closer with Ozen he- ahead, but um, within shouting distance from McCormick. So that is we're going. I guess we're going to learn um, in the coming days, how long they expect that to take. Uh, and, um, it's, it's, it's uh, just an amazing, it's an amazing race. Uh, The number three contender, Kathy Barnett, who had a late surge the week before, just, you know, truly in the end, um, I believe was a spoiler for McCormick because she took away other sort of Trump votes that maybe Oz would have gotten in a two man race. So it's fascinating
1: well not everyone is happy with the way the election was conducted uh, I no one can guess who had this to say here we go again in Pennsylvania they are unable to count the mail-in ballots it is a big mess then uh, going on to say uh, uh, on Thursday this is yesterday President Trump of course added stop finding votes in Pennsylvania rigged um, is uh, he's Hold on, uh, Dr. Oz, to declare victory, uh, whether or not the recount goes forward or not. Uh, Good advice, you think?
2: No, I think we could all have assumed that um, Trump was going to talk this way. Oz is not taking his advice. Um, He's playing it by the book. Uh, These are, he has not said that mail balloting is fraudulent the way that the former president likes to render sort of every vote by mail, which he himself has um, used, you know, many times, is counted later or counted the night of. is always too late for him, and it's always, you know, crooked. Uh, I I don't think other people are buying it. I think it's, you know, shrewd for Oz to, um, you know, lay low and and try to see how this proceeds. Um, the, 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 The party who hoped that if McCormick pulled it out, that President Trump would come around um, and endorse him obviously um, is just girding itself, you know, for for what's to come. Um, and of course, the entire down ballot in Pennsylvania is affected by the top of the ballot because Doug, Doug Mastriano, who won the gubernatorial uh, nomination in the Republican Party, is seen as an extreme candidate who could end up helping Democrats. And he, of course, got. Uh, Trump's nod uh, in the final days uh, of his campaign so it's a a mess all around Trump makes it worse um, as he always does and I think Oz is smart to keep his powder dry
1: okay uh, one of the things that you raise in your column and your most recent column is called Trump maker of clusters not Kings in other words questioning his very mixed record in this campaign you you actually go to ask a question I've been wondering about. What is the deal with all of the ethically challenged candidates with charges against them usually involving um, uh, basically hashtag material, but with people from Max Miller and Sean Parnell and Charlie Herbster and uh, Herschel Walker and uh, you certainly can add to that Eric Greitens uh, who uh, actually a, a, a Trump's son and uh, maybe prospective daughter-in-law Kimberly Guilfoyle are very involved in the Eric Wrightons campaign. These are all people with uh, very serious uh, charges and some credible. I think Herbster was accused by nine different women, all Republicans, by the way, of uh, a, assault. What what is to be accomplished by the association with so many such vulnerable candidates?
2: Right. I mean, look. You can argue that Herschel Walker uh, is a beloved figure in Georgia because of his uh, history in football, and that he could overcome uh, all the baggage that he brings to his candidacy with charges of assault um, from his wife and other and other women. Um, he has a dissociative identity disorder. Uh, You know parts of his memory that have disappeared uh you you can understand why maybe there's a candidate like that that you're willing to go to bat for and defend and promote because there's so much that 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 is appealing about them that you know you think they can overcome uh, their baggage these other people uh, are just nothing but a liability to the party and he has a way Of collecting them. And he defends them. He often says he's denied it. He has denied it. This is sort of a line that Trump uses when a guy gets in trouble. He, of course, endorsed Madison Cawthorn, the congressman from North Carolina, who also lost this week. um, And he you know, even as the establishment was sort of raining down all this opposition research on Cawthorne, although he built a, a, a bad record himself, there were new videos and embarrassing photos and everything, Trump likes to dig in, A, um, he doesn't really believe in baggage, and then, B, if the establishment says this person's a liability, he says, no, they're not, and he doubles down. So it, it, a lot of it is a, is a, is a fight, is a stubbornness. And then a fight with the establishment, where you know Trump really enjoys a battle. Um, so there are only two candidates, Michael, where in um, Paul Laxalt in uh, Nevada Senate, and Herschel Walker in the Georgia Senate race. So the only two candidates where the whatever's left of the establishment, you know Mitch McConnell on his island with whoever is left of the establishment. That, that's those are the only two candidates where the where the party and Trump are meeting. Uh, the rest of them—they're all split into different camps, so it's—it's—it's um, it's, it, it's a mess. And and in the end, his record, as I note, is mixed. He's had some his, some good wins. He'll have more of them, but it's his bad choices and then his defiance and his stubbornness over them that is going to help Democrats here and there on the margins. And we just don't know if he's going to just give Mitch McConnell some summer of pain. Um, by by once, you know, Brian Kemp wins on Tuesday and is, is you know, gets the get wins the primary contest for his reelection of in governor of as governor of Georgia, you know, Trump's number one foe. David McCormick, what if he pulled it out in the recant in Pennsylvania? We you know, nobody knows if he's gonna come around and endorse these people or just go full um, you know full Democrat and say well, things he's like, it doesn't matter, um, this is a rhino wimp, and it doesn't matter now who wins, and that kind of talk.
1: Uh. Uh, well, we will talk about that. Uh, A.B. Stoddard, her most recent column about King of Clusters, uh, coming up in, uh, at michaelmedved.com. We will be right back.
2: Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of their sleep with MyPillow. MyPillow is now offering a BOGO extravaganza on multiple MyPillow products. Right now, get buy
1: one. On the Michael Medved show, one of those cultural issues that has been somewhat in the background. I mean, uh, you could call it a cultural issue, you could call it a values issue, you could uh, call it actually a public safety issue. In fact, both sides do regularly. We're talking about the the issue of guns which uh, has been preempted when usually when there is a horrible horrible incident like the mass killing in in Buffalo Uh, the the there's an inevitable cry that basically this could have been prevented if we had fewer guns in society there was a piece by by Gail Collins in the New York Times where she said uh, no guns no massacre and um, that again incredibly simplistic because uh, given the fact that most of these crimes, not all of them, but most of these crimes are committed by stolen guns. They're not committed by people who basically were law-abiding, went out bought their guns legally. Their beginning of their criminality, uh, not the source of their criminality, was uh, their ability to get guns that that are against the law for them to have. Now, one of the problems you have with this Buffalo situation, it's obvious with the, the mental health attention, spending, he says, 20 hours in the emergency room, uh, long before the shooting even occurred, and all of the signals that were so openly uh, put forward uh, that this was a dangerous party, I don't think many people disagree on the issue of guns regarding uh, people like uh, Gendron, uh, who uh, was the killer in, in, in Buffalo, Peyton Gendron. In any event, the, the other story is just the numbers that have been compiled about firearms production and about firearm ownership in the United States. Uh, Glenn Thrush in the New York Times writes that the United States is in the middle of a great gun-buying boom that shows no sign of letting up on the annual number of firearms manufactured having recently tripled since 2000 and spiked sharply in the past three years according to the first comprehensive federal tally of gun commerce in two decades. The report that was released by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives this week came just days after a mass shooting in Buffalo left ten dead and painted a vivid statistical portrait of a nation arming itself to the teeth. Buyers capitalized on the loosening of gun restrictions by the Supreme Court, Congress, and uh, republican-controlled state legislatures. The data documented a drastic shift in consumer demand among gun owners that has profound commercial, cultural, and political implications. Starting in 2009, Glock-type semi-automatic handguns purchased for personal protection began to outsell rifles which had been typically used In hunting now one of the problems I have with all of the coverage on something like this is they don't mention the obvious reason for that kind of shift which is the increase in crime and it is a fact and it is well documented for the extent to which they have statistics on this is that when crime uh, goes up it doesn't go up because there are more guns there are more guns that are acquired by people because the crime is going up and people are looking for the guns, as they mentioned right here in the New York Times, for personal protection. Um, Embedded in the 306-page document uh, was another statistic, uh, he writes, that law enforcement officials find especially troubling. The police recovered 19,344 privately manufactured firearms, untraceable homemade weapons known as ghost guns in 2021. That's a tenfold increase since 2016. Law enforcement officials say that uh, that has contributed to the surge in gun related killings, especially in California where ghost guns make up as many as half the weapons recovered at crime scenes, which basically goes to why the California dream of a stricter gun control. Well, people have found a way around that. The uh, numbers released Tuesday revealed an industry on the rise with annual domestic gun production increasing from 3.9 million to in 2000 to 1.11.3 uh, million in 2020. A relatively small percentage of guns produced domestically or exported overseas. So these numbers are an accurate reflection of uh, gun buying habits, according to ATF officials. Currently, how many guns in the United States in private hands? Around 400 million guns in the United States, that according to a 2018 survey conducted by the uh, Small Arms Survey, which is nonpartisan, but uh, monitors gun ownership. Okay, what does all this mean? Does the presence of uh, more guns in private hands by itself indicate uh, that we're going to continue to have an increase in crime? It does not. It is, again, a response to an increase in crime. And I think that's something that people truly need to understand. And you, you can also say that uh, with um, uh, the during the time period when crime was going down, the gun sales were going down as well. And that's not the crime going down because people are buying less guns. It's people feeling less of a need and a fear for their own self-protection. And and let me mention that part of this has to do with uh, what uh, Heather MacDonald has called the war on police. That the more you're going to try to discredit police services, the less you're going to be able to feel that you can depend on emergency responders well like that apparently there was some attempt to call 911 during the mass shooting and the the operator hung up on the woman not taking it seriously who was calling that that operator is now likely to be fired but that's a different story the the story here really has to do with the the notion of trying to blame Uh, various sources for uh, hideous crimes that occur It is not because of more gun ownership because it it doesn't that relationship simply statistically and historically does not work out Uh, we will be right back on the Medved show new movie of Downton Abbey and more coming up Here's a question
0: for you. And on The
1: Michael Medved Show, if you uh, take a look at the current situation politically, it maybe isn't a shock, uh, as we were talking earlier today about this uh, new poll, which is fascinating. And it's a poll from uh, Harvard University, and uh, it's called a Caps-Harvard-Harris poll. And all reputable pollsters where they asked people uh, if um, President Trump and uh, President Biden are both on the ballot again next time, would you consider voting for a third-party candidate? Uh, By the way, would you? And which third-party candidate would you like to see run? That comes at the same time that there's a piece in The Guardian, left-wing newspaper, uh, based in Britain, as a matter of fact. But they have a piece claiming that there are rumors, there are indications, there are hints that Jeff Bezos, the uh, founder of Amazon and well-known for his space explorations and his ownership of The Washington Post, that he might use some of his uh, more than a hundred billion dollars in assets to run for president. And they're basing this upon not anything that he has said but an increasing willingness uh, to communicate with uh, the public on political issues through Twitter and elsewhere. And basically what's fascinating about this is Bezos is mostly sounding fairly conservative. He uh, says, for instance, um, raising corporate taxes is fine to discuss. Taming inflation is critical to discuss. Mushing them together is just misdirection. And uh, and by the way, when it comes to high corporate taxes, uh, one of the things that would be very controversial if Jeff Bezos goes ahead with any kind of political ambitions is that he has... Um, paid remarkably little in taxes from Amazon concerning how much his uh, personal wealth has grown and increased over the years and that's partially because we don't tax wealth and so that could get him in the direction who knows of a uh, Elizabeth Warren who wants a wealth tax not just an income tax and uh, He's been very critical of the Biden administration, apparently particularly recently. He said the administration tried hard to inject even more stimulus into an already overheated inflationary economy, and only mansions save them from themselves. Inflation is a regressive tax that most hurts the least affluent. And uh, he also has railed against some of the failed stimulus bills. Now, Jeff Bezos for president? Really? Uh, yes, there's the, uh, the idea of a somewhat messy divorce, embarrassing divorce, but obviously right now that is no longer the, the kind of um, burden on a candidate that it once was. Back in 1964, and yeah, it's a long time ago, when the governor of New York and he he was elected four times as governor of New York, and he's also one of America's most wealthy individuals. His name was Rockefeller, Nelson Rockefeller. And political historians look at his uh, candidacy for president, he ran in 1964, he ran again in 1968, and counting against him was the fact that uh, he had gone through a messy divorce. And uh, married, happy Rockefeller, you may remember his his wife was. Th- this doesn't matter anymore. So that would not rule Jeff Bezos out. Um, what would, uh, given how much uh, people uh, seem to enjoy using his company and find it a great gift of efficiency? And why not, if you're talking about celebrities running for president and making a difference, why not people, even with no political experience, who have actually had the experience of building a company? Uh, Jeff Bezos for president, it it might resemble more uh, people like Ross Perot, you remember, he's actually the last third-party candidate to win electoral votes. Now, that was just sad. Actually, he didn't. I was just realizing he came close. He came close in Maine and in Utah. Those were the two states where he finished second. And uh, what he did get is 19 percent of the vote. And uh, look, uh, yes, and helped to uh, mean that instead of a uh, a near great president, I believe George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, we got Bill Clinton. I plead guilty but to that. The uh, the notion that uh, 2024 could be an opportunity for uh, some celebrity candidate to. Uh, try to offer a middle way between two parties that are becoming increasingly uh, strident and and extreme? Uh, or are they? Let us go to Jim in Atlanta. Jim, you're on The Michael Medved Show.
0: Well, you're hitting it right on the nose for me, Michael. Uh, my girlfriend and I are conservative, but she's always been gun-shy. But she heard defund the police, and she saw what was happening to crime, and she came to me and said, teach me to shoot just right to my face and I said really okay uh, and she's st- I don't think she still really likes guns but she knows uh, that you have to protect yourself and I'm we're just dating and so I can't be there in fact we lived at a bit of distance from each other so she needs to protect herself so we're doing that and I it's real simple, you know. People are scared. They, oh, they, I just remembered. They announced. I think it was this week on the radio that Atlanta Police Department is supposed to have two thousand police on staff. They have fifteen hundred. Why do you think we're going buying guns and learning how to use them?
1: Boy, is that a, that 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 statistic? If you're missing and uh, five hundred policeman out of a uh, 2,000 person officer uh, department it's a very serious matter uh, it, Atlanta has been recently setting records has it not for uh, homicides for for killings
0: that's a good question uh, I've probably heard it on the radio I just sort of uh, you yeah, it's more the crime. Uh, our previous mayor went kind of woke on us and on the police, and she didn't even run for re-election. Our new one is supposed to be doing something about that. God bless him if he can. I don't know. But, you know, I'm just sort of keeping my—I'm trusting God, but I am keeping my powder dry and going to the (laughs) range every week and occasionally taking my sweetheart.
1: Well, good luck with your sweetheart. And, uh, by the way, it echoes exactly. We have— we have good friends with a, um, a husband who's always been a, uh, a firearms enthusiast and does enjoy going to the range, and uh, the wife, until recently, uh, basically having no real use for firearms. Uh, it, look, is it a solution for anybody? Uh, uh, no, the, because obviously you, you still need to rely upon police services. Because otherwise you're in a, a literally a Hobbesian world of all against all, and uh, that uh, simply that simply is not a good situation for the United States. Jim, I appreciate uh, your call, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, they uh, Jeremy just put a, um, uh, a a clip on the. Uh, on, on the screen, which shows the homicide victims per one hundred thousand people, and wow, it's it's up to a shocking extent. Uh, we will be uh, right back on the Medved show, uh, reviewing *Downton Abbey* and more. show, hoping uh, that everybody and, enjoys a May weekend that is full of sunshine and hope and uh, and maybe, maybe just turning around and putting some of our sometimes overwhelming problems, as they seem, a little bit in perspective, which is part of <laughs> the reason I try to come to work every day. Uh, okay, we are talking about work regarding uh, some movies that could actually put things in perspective from Hollywood. And uh, one of the uh, biggest movies, in fact, the biggest movie that's coming out today is the second film based on that very popular and long-running uh television series, all created, written, and directed by Julian Fallows. We're talking about uh, Downton Abbey, and this is called Downton Abbey, A New Era. And what's new about it? Well, there are two new developments that uh, basically uh, present themselves and present all kinds of challenges to the aristocratic uh, British family at the center of the action brought back with the same familiar cast that people know from the TV show and from the previous Downton Abbey film in 2019. This new era involves uh, suddenly a desire because they need to fix the roof of uh, their palatial home and ancestral home. Uh, They need some money, and they're going to get that money from renting uh, the premises to a Hollywood production company, with that film company coming to town to uh, produce a film and then there's another surprise that also animates the plot a surprise where the Maggie Smith character uh, Violet the older dowager of uh, the Crawley family she um, actually uh, gets an inheritance that she wasn't expecting an inheritance of a French villa All part of Downton Abbey, uh, a new era. I've come into possession of a villa in the south of France. Years ago, I met a man. They spent a few days together, and he gives her a house. A telephone call for you, my lord. Mr. Barber is a producer and director. He wants to make a film at Downton.
0: I think it's a horrible idea. Actresses plastered in makeup and actors just plastered.
1: The modern world comes to Downton. Well, this is the modern world uh, which is taking place, it's unfolding in 1928. And uh, part of that film company is a silent-era star who's very beautiful uh, but very impossible and obnoxious. Very well played by an actress named Laura Haddock, who uh, deserves a lot of credit for the success of this film. And it is successful, it's highly watchable, some of it plays out like soap opera. A plot about the silent filmmakers who are trying to make a film but have to adjust to the talky era seems to be borrowed a little bit from one of the great movies of all time, Singing in the Rain. Uh, There's nothing tremendously revelatory about any of the characters, but they feel like they're people you've come to know, almost like members of your own family. The uh, uh, film is incredibly handsome to look at, and uh, going back for uh, the Maggie Smith character and some revelations about her past also more than keeps your interest. It's rated PG because even though there are uh, references to perhaps some improper behavior, not involving teacups, by the way, that... uh, uh, that is still a very suitable film for a broad audience it's rated pg it uh, is rated by me three stars it certainly is fully enjoyable and for people who've liked this franchise in the past i'm i'm almost certain they will enjoy this one Uh, another big release this weekend and uh, this one is related released on disney plus is an animated uh, live action combination called chip and dale rescue rangers now you may remember that name there's a short-lived disney afternoon uh, television series back in 1989 90 it's a long time ago but about uh, two chipmunks who uh, helped to fight crime and and this one is very peculiar because it seems to be inspired by who framed roger rabbit from the same series in which the original chippendale same era when the original chippendale rescue rangers was on tv and here the uh, two lead characters who are in fact uh chipmunks uh decide it is time for them to do a comeback listen
0: you look Hey, it's no secret I had the CGI surgery done. I'm thinking reboot. Nobody wants a reboot! Rescue Rangers! You need a disguise or something. This place looks weird.
1: Okay, uh, it is weird. It's very fast moving if you are a fan of uh, traditional cartoons. What's interesting about this is not all the cartoons they reference are from Disney. I would have thought they would be. Uh, it's sort of tough to follow the plot, but who cares, there's not much of a plot anywhere. It has to do with the kidnapping of Monterey Jack, who is a, um, a, a mouse that was actually uh, involving some of the, uh, uh, Chip and Dale's original group of rescue rangers. Uh, the film could use a rescue from a little bit too much and bing-bang pizzazz. It uh, stars the voices of Andy Samberg and Eric Bana and Seth Rogen and Kiki Lane and all sorts of others, And but they all, all pass so quickly you can't really even recognize them. Uh, the animation is nothing special. In fact, uh, somewhat less than you would expect for a film from the Disney Studios, again on Disney Plus. It's rated PG, which is appropriate, and two stars. Uh, a final film to cover is The Outfit, which is a, a film about a tailor, an expert British tailor who comes to Chicago in the 1950s and uh, sets himself up uh, providing very carefully made suits for some very nasty mobsters. Listen. You cannot make something good until you understand the customer.
2: Do we let all of our customers keep black boxes in back?
1: If
0: we only allowed angels to be customers soon, we'd have no customers at all. Have you ever heard of the outfit? The outfit. It's a network of every big time crew from Santa Monica to Coney Island. And tonight, they have sent us a message. they are hiding something, my friend.
1: You want to
2: survive the night? You look them dead in the eyes, and you pretend you're one of them.
1: Okay, it's Mark Rylance, that uh, very distinctive voice there, who plays the uh, tailor. This is a very interesting film, because they do something in it, and its original touch is when it shows him working painstakingly, for instance, in making these suits, you will read what would have been stage directions uh, in a screenplay. Uh, and he therefore carefully lays out this and there's narration in the back and it makes it almost hypnotic to watch and the process of creating these clothes and uh, harboring some mysteries. Uh, Zoe Deutsch plays his assistant who also might be involved with some of the other mobsters. The film works not because it has a particularly compelling plot, it all takes place in one blood-soaked night. But because Mark Rylance is such a wonderful actor, and uh, he makes this character totally compelling. It is a film that uh, has extremely bloody elements. I mean, it made literally bloody, blood pouring out of wounds, uh, but uh, keeps your attention from beginning to end. Uh, the um, uh, rating would be very much an R in terms of its. Uh, Uh, MPAA rating. It's in theaters and it is available to purchase on multiple streaming services two and a half stars for the outfit. Okay, uh, coming up next week everybody is concerned and should be concerned about the crime spike, in particular the homicide spike but uh, the numbers have now been broken down most recently not just racially but in terms of gender and class and more what does that show also a hollywood star uh, glued his hand to a starbucks counter for the cause of vegan milk is that a, a worthy cause to take on and we will probably have something like an answer on that primary in pennsylvania What would be best for the conservative cause as an outcome? We will talk about that and much more next week in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.